gentlemen, welcome to the main event. This is the Totally Random, Totally Random Sports Show. Here's your host, Sean Lincoln. Y'all ready for this? Right, welcome back to the Totally Random Sports Show. This is episode 2, and it is September 20th. On the docket today, Gary Bettman steals New Jersey's money. NFL players stand united-ish. The USA Basketball B team. A possible Canadian triple crown in Major League Baseball. Poor rider coaching is overcome. Sheldon Sure, Plaxico Burris, Jose Bautista. The ultimate fighter, Lil Wayne's psychic abilities, and much, much more. But first, we're going to start with CFL talk. Good week in the CFL this week. A uh, couple good games, a couple not-so-interesting games. Uh, we're going to start Winnipeg at Toronto. Uh, Winnipeg is, of course, yet to win on the road, and it did not change today. Uh, Toronto came out on top 17-13. Uh, Toronto didn't have Corey Boyd in the lineup, which put a big hit to their offense. Uh, he's out with a concussion, which he says is his third of the year, which, if so, is pretty serious for them. Uh, Ricky Foley made his return to the CFL with uh, Toronto after coming back from the NFL. Uh, he made a lot of news this week after apparently agreeing to a deal with BC verbally and then changing his mind and coming to Toronto. Uh, the TSN crew doing the game made sure we knew he was there. Boy, it seemed to talk about him every second play, but he played good in his return, so you can't really blame him too much. Bombers came out pretty quick. Uh, Jowls threw for 100 yards in the first quarter, kicked a couple field goals. They were up. After the first half, it was 6-0. Uh, Bombers shut out an offense for another two quarters. That's six in a row, counting the games last week. Uh, but all game, you saw the return of the drop balls for the Bombers. It started in the first half a few times, but really hurt them in the second half. Um, Bombers started with the ball in the second half, had small drive, made no noise, and punted the ball off, and I think this is where the game really swung. Chad Owens brought it back. Pretty good run, great blocking. He just ran untouched to the end zone for the punt return TD, and uh, it was uh, they were in trouble after that, the Bombers. Uh, their next drive, Renault had a 21-yard punt, maybe a little scared of Chad Owens there. and They just didn't look too good. Uh, Dion Beasley was one sort of bright spot for the Bombers. He had a interception and a fumble recovery. He had a good game. Can't really, can't really put anything on the defense again. The defense was pretty much lights out. Gave up a few field goals, but it was mostly... The one touchdown that really hurt him. Toronto did put together one drive in the fourth quarter that was capped off by Jermaine Copeland TD, but you can't really blame the Bomber defense. They were on the field so much in the second half. It was bound to happen. And only giving up one TD again, your offense has got to be able to win it. Uh, Edwards scored uh, the only touchdown for the Bombers. Nice long play, but that was all they really had all game. They really 
could not muster together any offense. Some surprising coaching moves there in that final few minutes with the Bombers. Two minutes left, they're going for a third and two, which I agree with. I think they should have went for that. But they give it to a running back who hasn't ran a ball this year yet on third and two. I question the coaching of Paul Appelis there. I think you throw a pass. Uh, I think Fred Reed was hurt, which is why I think he didn't get it. He went down a couple or nah, four or five plays before that. So can't blame Lapo for not putting it in Fred Reed's hands, but I don't know why you give it to a running back who doesn't have a run this year. I just don't think that's a smart play. Uh, Bombers did get the ball back one more time, but... Uh, it came down to Hail Mary with seconds left, and Willie Pyle picked it off at the goal line. So uh, Toronto wins 17-13. Not a great game, a little bit of a sleeper, but you got to think this all but ends Winnipeg's shot of the playoffs. Playoffs? You kidding me? Toronto and Hamilton. Well, of course, Toronto. Hamilton also wins this week. Uh, Palmers are so far behind now in the East, and they've lost the season series to both Toronto and Hamilton. you got to think their season's pretty much a write-off now. They have a shot, but betting money wouldn't go towards them. Next up, we'll go to Calgary and Saskatchewan. This was a fantastic game. Saskatchewan ended, ended up winning 43-37 in overtime. Oh, it just went. Uh, this game was on the NFL Network, so good showing again. It seems every time we get a game on the NFL Network, they seem to show great greatness. The first game of the year was the Montreal-Saskatchewan game that went into overtime. Now they see another overtime game. Um, whoever scheduled this was either psychic or just really smart. Durant looked terrible in the first half. I think if a Ryder fan's looking at that and just going, oh, not this again. He was 5 for 15. But they came out and scored a ton of points in the second half. Durant finished 23 for 39, 500 yards and a couple touchdowns. Uh, great day for him. Burris was good as well on the other side, finishing with 348 yards. Um, I think the best player in this game was Andy Fantuz, averaging 25, just a bit about over 25 yards a catch last night. Ended up 10 catches for 255 yards. A fantastic game for the rider receiver. Saskatchewan had their chance to win it in regulation, though. Uh, ball on the 28 with about 5-6 seconds left. It was the last play. Ken Miller first throws out his field goal unit. And you're thinking, yeah, 35-yard field goal. They should win it here. And uh, Calgary takes a timeout and Ken Miller now throws out his punt team. Why are you throwing out your punt team? First of all, now you're making him kick it the extra 20 yards through the end zone. So instead of a 35, that would make it about a 55. And your punter lines up about 7, 8 yards farther back than your field goal team. So you're instead of making a 35-yard field goal, you're kicking about a 60-yard punt. It makes no sense. Terrible, terrible call. And, you know, I think Ken Miller's really lucky that Saskatchewan pulled it out because, wow, there would have been some <laughs> some huge backfire if they would have lost there. Um, when it went into overtime, uh, Saskatchewan had first possession and direct snap to West Cates. He took it in for the TD. They missed the two-point conversion. 
but uh, Burris couldn't get it into the touchdown on Calgary's drive, so didn't really matter. Uh, next we'll go, go Hamilton, BC, another just fantastic game. Uh, Hamilton came out on top 35-31, and BC just fell apart in this game. I think they had four turnovers in the fourth quarter. Just terrible. Printers went 22 for 40, 312 yards. When you look at it that way, not too bad. Two TDs, too. But then you have to look at his two fumbles and two interceptions. Just not good enough for the veteran. He has to be way better than that. BC had five turnovers overall. Dondre Cobb went 151 yards for Hamilton. And uh, Sandra DeAngelis kicked five field goals. Hamilton took the game when it was given to them. There's not much you can say about that. BC just threw it away. Yeah, not not very good for them. The big play in this game was on a Maurice Mann sort of screen pass that he brought, I think, 40 or 50 yards to the touchdown. And they called an illegal block, a block in the back, on Hamilton on this play. And somehow the touchdown still scored. I still am not really 100% sure what happened. Apparently, the CFL has already issued an apology saying they made a mistake. Well, no doubt. I don't understand how this could have stepped how this could have counted, but you know the referees made a huge mistake on that one, and uh, ended up costing BC pretty much. Uh, last game in the CFL was uh, Montreal Edmonton, and you know this was a no contest. Montreal dominated; they scored the first 26 points. They were up 26 nothing before anything happened. And yeah, it's not too much to say about this game. They just dominated right from the start. Anthony Calvillo came back, played great, put a lot of points up on the board. So. He's healthy. It's good for Montreal to see. It looks like Montreal is going to take first in the East pretty easily. So That's all for CFL scores. Uh, a little bit of news. Jesse Lumsden told the Bombers early in the week that he was going to pursue other options and uh, is now expected to sign with Calgary uh, early this week. I don't understand that. Why would you go for Calgary? They already have uh, two two guys that are going to stay there. They have Joffrey Reynolds as their starter. He's not going anywhere. And they have Canadian John Cornish, who's had a breakout year. So I don't really understand why Jesse Lumsden's going there. I don't think he's going to get a lot of carries. But, you know, if that's if he thinks that's a good idea, I guess he's got to go with his gut. But I don't see that being good for him. And the last thing I'm going to talk about, CFL.ca does power rankings every week. And I'll give you the week's standings first for week going into week 12. Calgary's at number one. Not surprising at all. Winnipeg, number two. How does Winnipeg make it to number two? They're a three and seven team going in. And they're at number two in the power rankings. They had one good game. I don't think you can put them at number two. Now, the interesting thing is it is a mathematical equation they try to do. I just think it must be the wrong equation because if you can put Montreal or Winnipeg at number two ahead of Montreal, it just doesn't make any sense. So yeah, when Calgary, Winnipeg, Montreal, Toronto, BC, Hamilton, Edmonton, and Saskatchewan. Again, Saskatchewan can't be last. They had one bad game, but you can't put them at last. They're still, what, 7-3 and three or whatever. So I don't know about that. I think that's got to be switched, but... What are you going to do about that one? So that's all in the CFL this week. We'll uh, head to the other side of the border with the American football NFL. 
pretty good games Sunday. Uh, start at uh, Minnesota against Miami in Minnesota. And Miami pulls this one out. A surprising 2-0 is Miami. You expected them to win week one against Buffalo. Everyone wins against Buffalo. But this is a Minnesota team that a lot of people were expecting greatness from. And uh, they're just not getting it yet. Brett Favre not playing well through a few picks. Uh, fumble in the end zone caused by C former CFLer Cam Wake with uh, good play there that Miami recovered for their touchdown. Minnesota had their chances. Uh, just over two minutes left in the game, they drove had... Uh, Minnesota had first and goal with about two minutes left in the game, and Peterson got stuffed on the goal line two or three times. Uh, good stand by the Miami D, but if you're Minnesota, you have to be scoring more than 10 points. Green Bay beat Buffalo 34-7. to Green Bay, Green Bay, one of the better teams going in this year, I think, and Buffalo is just already done. I think they're going to... They might have a shot at 0-16. They are just a terrible, terrible team. Rodgers threw for 255 and two TDs on 19 completions. Casey beat Cleveland 16-14. Casey, another surprising 2-0 team, beating San Diego last week. And Cleveland this week isn't as big of a surprise, but I don't think Kansas City can keep it up. But good for them to start 2-0. Uh, Chicago goes over Dallas 27-20. Dallas is 0-2. There's going to be some changes pretty quick there if they can't get on the winning track. It's hard to say what's really going wrong with them. They're giving up a lot of points. They're they're scoring decently. Tony Romo's leading the team around the field not too terribly. But I just can't pull out a win. Chicago goes to 2-0. and So they might be a sleeper team that could sneak in the playoffs somewhere. Devin Hester, who's more known for his power returns, made an unbelievable one-handed catch in the corner of the end zone for a great touchdown. If you haven't seen that yet, go out and find it. Philadelphia... Edge Detroit 35 to 32. Mike Vick, with his first start over Kevin Cobb, went 21 for 34, 284, and two touchdowns. Mike Vick looked awesome. He had some runs. He clearly hasn't lost too much of his speed, and he was throwing the ball better than we have seen him a lot. So, really good for Michael Vick. And if he keeps playing like this, he's going to start a huge controversy in Philadelphia over who's the starter. Uh, Andy Reid says it's Kevin Cobb, and uh, Mike Vick is trying to steal it. So you have to be... It's a situation you'll want to keep watching. Uh, Detroit had a chance. They nearly came back at the end. They scored and then had an onside kick that they recovered with only, th only three points down, but uh, couldn't make it all the way back, and uh, Philadelphia edged him. Cincinnati... Beat Baltimore 15-10. Both teams go to 1-1. One one. Flacco threw four interceptions. Not good enough for Baltimore. They have a great defense. They need Flacco to get some scores. They can't have him turning it over and giving the other teams good field position. And that was the difference today. Ray Lewis, not a guy you really hear complaining too much, was absolutely livid with the refs after the game. There were two... Poor roughing the passer calls. One on Ray Lewis and one on another. Raven, who, I don't know, he threw a hit while 
Carson Palmer still had the ball. It looked like a clean hit to me, but I got called for that, and it put them in field goal range. And same with Ray Lewis's penalty. He sort of got knocked down, and Carson Palmer tripped over Ray Lewis's feet, went down, and they gave Ray Lewis the penalty. I don't see it. And again, that one put them in field goal range. So six points, the referees basically put on the board, Ray Lewis is saying, and I don't think you can argue. They are two terrible terrible calls and they did make a difference Cincinnati won by five that's six points that the refs may have put on the game so or on the board Houston Washington was a fantastic game Houston ended up edging Washington 20 30 to 27 in overtime this was an offensive clinic Schaub and McNabb passed for just under a thousand yards combined fantastic game for both of them throwing the ball perfect. Washington had a chance in overtime with a 51-yard kick. Washington kicker stepped up, nailed it the first time, but Houston called a timeout just before they kicked it, and he missed on his second shot, and uh, Houston came back and scored. San Diego beats Jacksonville 28-13. Not a big surprise here. David Garrard threw four picks, way too many, and uh, Phillip Rivers threw for 334 yards and three touchdowns. San Diego gets back on track after the blowing it on Monday night. They played really good. Uh, in the Manning Bowl, Indianapolis and New York, uh, Peyton came out on top, winning 38-14. Peyton went 20 for 26 for 255 and three TDs. He was clearly still the better brother. New York is in trouble. I They didn't look very good at all in this game, but... They have a lot of time to put it together. Uh, Eli's becoming a good quarterback. I don't know if he's going to become his brother, but he's going to be an elite quarterback in this league in a few years, I think. Jets, with a huge bounce-back game, they win 28-14. Sanchez, who didn't throw a completion in the first quarter, you got to be thinking, uh-oh, he only threw for 60 yards last week. But he came back after that. He went 21 for 30, 220 yards and three touchdowns. That was his first three-touchdown game since college. So things looking up for Jets fans. And as I said last week, if Sanchez plays well, this team will do well. And if not, they're in trouble. Moss had a good game. He uh, started the game with a few catches over Darrell Rivas, including an amazing one-handed catch in the end zone. What a bomb Tom Brady threw, and just an unbelievable catch by Moss. Uh, Darrell Rivas was actually hurt on the play. Uh, I think it was somewhere in his leg, quadricep or something, and he would not return for the second half. So uh, if he's hurt, you know, that's a big, big loss for New York. So hopefully they can fix it. More on them later. I'll uh, just run down a couple other scores for you. Uh, Atlanta beat Arizona 41-7. Tampa Bay beat Carolina 20-7. Pittsburgh, without Ben Roethlisberger, still looks good. Beat Tennessee 19-11. You know, not the greatest of all games, but they're getting her done. Uh, Denver went over Seattle 31-14. And in the battle of the two terrible teams, Oakland beat St. Louis 16-14. So... That's your rundown for scores on NFL Sunday. Of course, got the game Monday. A pretty good game. A pretty good day. There's lots of good games. So, yeah. Uh, A few other NFL news. 
Uh, Plaxico Burris, who was trying to get a work release, he was, of course, in prison for uh, gun offense, trying to get a work release to play this year. He was turned down, so he will not be back this year, should be back next year. I think he can still be good when he comes back, as long as he stays in decent shape. He's 6'5", he's a huge receiver. He should be good when he gets back, and hopefully he can come back to where he was, much in the way Michael Vick did. I also want to talk about last week. It started in the opener, Minnesota and New Orleans, and then uh, it kept going with a lot of teams, all the players on both teams coming out on the field with one finger in the air, trying to show a united front in the labor dispute. I'm all for that the players' union is all together. I don't really want to see that in NFL weekend. I don't want to be reminded that I might not have NFL football to watch next year. But um, I think the more disappointing thing is it really wasn't all the players. There was a lot, but some teams didn't do it, and some players totally ignore it. Even uh, Brett Favre in the very first game turned his back on it. I don't know if that was on purpose, but he had his back turned while all this was going on. So, interesting. And I don't know. That's going to be interesting if we have NFL football next year. I know all fans out there hoping something gets worked out, but I wouldn't bet too much on it. It's not looking too good. And uh, also, the story coming out of New York this week uh, with the accusations of sexual harassment. What do you say? Uh, Just the Jets, who already have enough press on them, just making bad decisions. Uh, They had a female reporter at practice. Apparently, Rex Ryan instructed them to run drills right around her. And then when she was in the dressing room, players were saying things. But... This reporter, a lot of people are leaving out who this reporter is. She calls herself the world's sexiest reporter. If you're calling yourself that, and then you're going into a dressing room full of men, I'm not saying it's okay, but depending on how far they took it, like, you don't know if they just were, hey, baby, you know, I don't really think it's a big deal. But, uh, of course, if they took it too far, they nobody deserves that, so... It's hard, it's a hard situation with this woman. She, if you don't remember, she's the same woman who asked Tom Brady to marry her at a Super Bowl press conference when she was wearing a wedding dress. So, you know, she's kind of known for dressing a little skimpier and not quite like a reporter. But it doesn't give players the right to harass her if that's what's going on. I also have to throw this out there. I think it's kind of funny that Jets owner named Woody Johnson had to replace to her. Or had to apologize to her. Great name for this situation. So, uh, yeah, that's it for NFL coverage. Going to hit uh, a little basketball now. Uh, World Basketball Championships ended this week. USA won 81-64 over Turkey. Kevin Durant led the the team all the way through this uh, tournament. They didn't lose a game. And uh, he scored 22.8 points per game and uh, about six rebounds. He shot 55% from the field. He was fantastic. And a lot of people are putting him in the same league as LeBron, Dwayne Wade, and Kobe. Um, I don't think he's quite there yet, but give him a year or two, he might be better than all of them. Kevin Durant 
has just been great. And with him on his own team, sort of by himself, if he can win, he's going to have a better legacy than LeBron or Dwayne Wade. He was just terrific. But a lot of people are calling this the USA B team. Uh, their roster wasn't exactly boasting the best players. I'll give you their roster. Uh, Chauncey Billups, who everyone knows I'm a big fan of. Kevin Durant, Derek Rose, Russell Westbrook, Rudy Gay, Andre Iguodala, Danny Granger, Stephon Curry, Eric Gordon, Kevin Lowe, Lamar Odom, and Tyson Chandler. Not a bad team by any stretch of the imagination. But when you look back to their 2008 Olympic team, here's their 2008 Olympic team. Kobe, LeBron, Jason Kidd, Dwayne Wade, Mello, Carlos Boozer, Dwight Howard, Chris Bosh, Chris Paul, Tayshaun Prince, Michael Redd, Deron Williams, and Joe Johnson. Not one returning player. And that 2008, you know, the Redeem team, they called themselves, they were just ridiculous. Great team, and not one of them came to this World Basketball Championships, which is disappointing for the States, but... You know, they have such a great core of players, it didn't really seem to bother them. They were fantastic. Just for your information, Canada went 0 for 5 in the tournament. Not too impressive. The only other teams to do that were Tunisia and Jordan. Those are the three teams that went 0 for 5. So, uh, very disappointing for Canadian basketball, but not really too surprising. So we'll go from um, a disappointing Canadian story to a great Canadian story. Joey Votto of the Cincinnati Reds has a shot to win uh, NL MVP, you have to think. Uh, it's looked to be a three-horse race between him, uh, Carlos Gonzalez of the Colorado Rockies, and the guy who's always there, Albert Pujols of St. Louis. I'm going to focus on Joey Votto, though. Uh, the Canadian has been great this year. He's got he's batting 321, 34 home runs, 103 RBIs. He's third in all those categories behind the other two. But, you know, he's close. If he puts on a good run, he even has a chance to win the Triple Crown, which is, you know, leading in batting average, home runs and RBIs. No Canadian has ever won a batting Triple Crown. So, something to watch for, you know, he's he's behind but he's not too far behind he has a shot and I think especially the way the Reds are playing they're going to the playoffs and I think a lot of that is on Joey Votto's back so you have to think he has a good shot and winning that NL MVP uh, the last Canadian to win an NL MVP was Larry Walker back in 97 so over 10 it's been 13 years since a Canadian has won the MVP in the National League which would just be great if Joey Votto could do that. Uh, Justin Morneau's won two of the last four in the American League. So Canadians are clearly starting to come out a lot better in Major League Baseball. You're seeing more and more that are becoming elite players, which is good. A great stat here. Joey Votto has hit zero infield pop-up outs this year. Not one infield pop-up. That's amazing. For the amount of home runs he's hit, he's hitting the ball hard and he's hitting it high. And to not have gotten under one, that's just an amazing stat for Joey Votto. So you got to give him a ton of credit. He's just playing fantastic. And uh, hopefully for Canadians, you're cheering for him and he can get there.
another interesting story uh, in Major League Baseball is Jose Bautista. He's at 49 home runs right now, leading the major leagues. You know, this is a guy whose career high before this, I think, was 19. So he's just destroyed that. My question, though, is how much will 50 home runs mean in this day and age? You know, four or five years ago, 50 home runs, you got a parade almost. But after all the steroids, all these scandals, it's hard to say. But uh, I think he's a small guy. Like, he doesn't look big when you look at him. I think this is going to be a huge celebrated thing for Jose Bautista. you got to imagine he's peed in about 50 cups this year. So, you know, it's not good for the sport of baseball that automatically you think that Jose Bautista might must be juicing. Because, honestly, that's the first thing I thought, too. I was like, oh, no, steroids. There's no way you can get that much better over a year. But... You know, that's the state of the game right now, and that's just not what you want to hear with your Major League Baseball, but it's bad. Hopefully, you know, they don't find anything on Batista, and he's not doing anything, and I think this 50 home runs will mean a lot for the sport if that's the case. So uh, good for the Toronto Blue Jays making headlines uh, something good. They seem to fall apart every year like they're doing this year and they're going to miss the playoffs again but if they hold on to Jose Bautista I think they have a pretty good core there they've hit the most home runs in the league by a ton so hopefully they keep doing well uh, going to move to some NHL uh, preseason ready to start Wednesday very exciting can't wait for hockey to be back uh few good stories this week, though. Uh, the NHL has fined the New Jersey Devils $3 million and two draft picks for uh, trying to circumvent the cap with uh, the Kovalchuk trade, or Kovalchuk signing, sorry. I don't understand this at all. Yeah, they were going around the cap. They were making the contract. They structured it in a way that they could pay him a ton of money and it would still be technically legal but that's the thing it still is technically legal i know an arbitrator ruled against it and they had to restart it but i don't understand how you can find new jersey for this they found a loophole you know i don't think you can find them for this sure it's kind of not in the spirit of everything but it's not technically against the rules either so i think that's just not fair at all to new jersey Another good story was this on Sheldon Sure. Now, uh, started a couple weeks ago when Sure made comments about being pressured to come back from shoulder surgery last year and uh, apparently demanded a trade. Well, this week, the Oilers uh, sent an email to his agent, and this is via Bob McKenzie's Twitter. Great, if nobody follows it. They sent an email stating the team did not want Sure to attend camp and asked Sure to stand by for further instructions. So, clearly, uh, he's not going to be welcomed back in uh, Edmonton, and I don't think he's too disappointed with that. I think he wanted out as well, but surprising. It's not good for the Oilers. This is the second, you know, big-name defenseman they've lost in a few years. Of course, Pronger wanted out a few years ago. So, Edmonton, I don't think they're going to be good this year again. They have a great young core. And I really think they have a great future ahead of them. Everly, uh, PRV Svensson, Taylor Hall now. They're going to be a great team eventually, but uh, 
Not yet. I think they need more time. Other NHL news. Peter Forsberg in the news again. He says he has not ruled out a return to the NHL yet. He probably should. You know, he, uh, he's he been plagued by injuries. He comes back every couple of years and tries to make a comeback. And he's just not the same player as he once was uh, when he was with Colorado in early 2000s. He's a great player, but he can't get by the injury bug. And I think his career right now is looked upon really well, especially by Avalanche fans where he played the majority of his career. As he was a fantastic player, and he helped them win the Stanley Cup in 2001. I don't think he should come back, you know. I think almost he's tarnishing a legacy if he does. If he wants to play in Europe, I think that's where he was for some of last year. Good for him. He should, if he wants to keep playing, he should definitely keep playing. But I don't think he has the strength or speed to play in the NHL anymore. Um, As a huge Forsberg fan... (laughs) Love to see another old vet come back to the NA, or come back to my Colorado Avalanche, but I just don't think it's in the cards for him. He's just been too injury prone the last few years. Last story I'll talk about the NHL. Uh, Montreal is going to name Brian Gianta, Gianta their team captain. I like this for Montreal. He's a good leader. He played well. I think uh, Camilleri, Mike Camilleri, also would have been a good choice for Montreal. But Brian Gionta is going to do a good job down there. Interesting, he is not a French-speaking Canadian, which seems to be the way uh, Montreal seems to go. Someone who will at least try to speak French, but uh, who knows? Maybe uh, maybe they'll start learning. But uh, he is totally English. I think he'll do well for Montreal. They should have a good team again. I think they made a terrible trade getting rid of Halak. But uh, I've always been a big supporter of Carey Price, and I think he can play. One last story was the death, or lack thereof, of um, Pat Burns. This was a story that came out late last week. Odd, odd story. Kind of funny, unless you're part of that family. But uh, I'll give you the quick rundown of it. Basically, I heard it started somewhere on Twitter, but one media said it, and it just caught fire that Pat Burns has died. Of course, he has uh, been battling cancer for a few years now, and it's got to be tough for him and his family, but when they see that he's dead, and uh, clearly wasn't, Bob McKenzie posted about a couple hours later after it had already been reported that, no, he had just talked to uh, Pat Burns, and he was not dead. So, rough for Pat Burns and the family, but glad to hear he's still alive and kicking. That's it for NHL news. Again, preseason starts Wednesday, Toronto, Ottawa. I believe they are showing it on TSN, so, you know, keep your eyes out for that. It should be great. Season 12 of The Ultimate Fighter started this week, so I just want to touch on that briefly. It's uh, Josh Koscheck and George St. Pierre. I don't know how this pairing is going to go in the show. Of course, Josh Koscheck was the original bad boy of The Ultimate Fighter. I think season one, he caused a lot of trouble. And now he's just sort of a mouthpiece. He's a good fighter. But St. Pierre is... 
he's such the good, he plays such a good guy. I don't think he plays it. I think he is just such a good guy. He's not going to say anything. He's not going to get into a yelling match. They're not going to fight inside the house or anything. You're not thinking any of that. So I think you're just going to hear a lot. Of, I think Josh Koshak is going to come out great on this show because he's going to be the entertaining part. The fight's in Montreal, so it doesn't matter. Koshak's going to get booed out of the place. But I think the rest of the world is really going to take a liking to Josh Koshak through this show. So uh, it was the first week of the show. So they showed uh, seven fights. They brought in 14 guys. They showed seven fights to get into the show. Um, there was a few really nice, good fights. Uh, very first fight of the show... Uh, this Mark Stevens threw a huge overhand right to knock knock out his opponent. His opponent, 13 seconds in, looks like a guy you have to watch out for. But every year you get those guys who knock him out in the first few seconds, and you're not too sure how they're going to be when they actually get in the house. There's a couple other good guys. Uh, Brookins looked like he had one of the, he was the best wrestler they showed there. He was the guy who kind of looked like a hippie, but he had a great ground game. Looks again. Looks like someone you can you have to watch out for, but it's hard to say after the first episode. How about this uh, Alex Alex Caceres? Call called himself Bruce Leroy, so I'm not really sure what's up with this guy. But uh, he showed a ton of heart in his first fight. Just got beat up for a round and a half and tossed on a rear naked choke at the end. Uh, good for him. Uh, he looks like he'll be a fun guy. I don't know if he has the skill to win it. But he'll be somebody that'll definitely be entertaining to watch. The thing I love about Ultimate Fighter is they always seem to show one guy. You know, last year it was Kimbo. Just one guy that's supposed to be the big centerpiece. It seemed like they were setting up this Mike Budnick. He's a pro skater. He's been to 10 X Games. And, they, you know, they do a little piece on him before the fight, three or four minutes. So you're thinking, oh, this guy's going to be a big part of the series. Nah, he got he got TKO'd after a huge body punch dropped him. So, you know, he's done. You still have the wild card fight this week. The coaches will pick the two guys that lost and they thought were the most entertaining or have the best shot of doing well, and they'll put them in for another fight. So hopefully you'll get a good fight out of that. As everything's on the line. You know those two guys will go balls out. So I look forward to that this week. Um, should be an entertaining season uh, skill-wise. It looks like a lot of the guys can fight. But like I touched on personality-wise of the coaches, hard to really say what's going to happen. So uh, stay tuned to that. They are doing, I think, lightweight fighters this year. So a lot lot of speed. Should be a lot of good fights, hopefully. So yeah, stay tuned to that. It's on Spike TV, I think, Thursday nights. Uh, The last piece of news I want to sort of touch on, uh, the U.S. Open this week. Kim Kleisters and Rafael Nadal won. Not super shocking but here's an interesting story two weeks ago before the tournament even started Lil Wayne who's serving time in prison right now predicted those two to win apparently Lil Wayne huge tennis fan you know you wouldn't have pegged him for it but uh, it's kind of interesting uh, he picked both of them just something I sort of wanted to throw in here it's something interesting you guys might like the Monday Nighter this week New Orleans at San Francisco Yes, I know I went 0-2 last week, uh, blew my credibility in about 15 minutes, but uh, I would like to point out, I did say it was all on Mark Sanchez, who threw for 60 yards and lost to Baltimore last week, so I have a little bit of a push there. This week, I'll go with the former, former Heisman Trophy winner, Reggie Bush, and his New Orleans Saints. 
Uh, anyone who hasn't heard, Reggie Bo- Bush was forced to give up his Heisman Trophy this week after allegedly, he hasn't admitted it yet, but receiving money while he was playing in college, which is not allowed. So, you know, in the end, I think this is a terrible rule. You know, it makes no difference about how he played. I know it's against the rules, but he won the Heisman Trophy because he was the best player in the country. And, you know, money is not going to change that. And at the same time, you can't blame Reggie Bush. He came from a bad situation. He needed money at that time. He didn't know he was going to the NFL to make millions and win a Super Bowl. All he knows is, you know, he's at college playing football and someone's offering him money, which he doesn't have any at the time. So, you know, you can't blame him. I like Charles Barkley came out this week and admitted that he got paid while he was in college. I think that's great on him. I think it happens a lot more than any of us want to think it happens. College athletes are going to get all kinds of gifts and money and stuff like that. And just because it doesn't come out doesn't mean it's not happening. I think it's happening a lot. So that's my thought. It kind of got off to a tangent there. But, you know, I don't think it's fair for Reggie Bush. Uh, Going back to the Monday night game, though, no doubt, New Orleans, I think, posed for another strong season and they'll beat San Francisco pretty easily this week course with my past record maybe bet on San Francisco I don't know should be a pretty good game I could see Drew Brees going off for 300 yards here having a great game besides for that uh quickly wanted to touch on Survivor former NFL coach Jimmy Johnson is on Survivor this year uh I'm sick of Survivor I didn't watch it but I am interested to see how Jimmy Johnson does his strategies from what I've heard he told a bunch of the people You know, I have tons of money. That's what he told them. I have a lot of money. They all know who he is, so they knew that. But he says, I have a lot of money. If I get to the finals, nobody's giving me a million dollars. So bring me to the final. I think this is a genius strategy by Jimmy Johnson. He's he's right. No none of those guys are gonna give Jimmy Johnson another million dollars. So Jimmy's saying Jimmy knows this. He says, Everyone, bring me to the final. Um it sort of set up this week. It looked like he was going to get kicked out, but uh, they ended up kicking out a girl with one leg, I've been told. So, good for Jimmy. <laughs> uh, might not be the biggest win of his career, but hey, he made it by week one of Survivor. And uh, from what I hear, he was struggling with it. Uh, he spent a lot of the week puking, but, you know, he's an old guy. I think he'll be all right. He's a He's a veteran of life. You could say, and he's been through everything. I think he'll be all right. Uh, I might, I might catch Survivor this week. I just want to see, I want to see Jimmy Johnson out there. It's interesting. Other TV news I want to go to, just very quickly. The Office, great show. Steve Carell is coming back for another season this year, and it's supposed to be Steve Carell's last. Terrible decision. That show is, you got to end it. Apparently, they're gonna go after he leaves, but I don't think there's anybody that makes that show watchable without Steve Carell. So, yeah, just had to throw that in with the rest of everything I'm talking about. I think that's about it for this week. Guys, uh, thanks for listening. Like I say every week, bring your feet. Oh, I didn't want to get into this. I got a piece of feedback this week on the Man Cup, which is a lacrosse championship. Um, I'm sorry to whoever wrote that. I can't remember who you are. Oh, Sorry to Nikojima who wrote that. I haven't seen any of it, so I really don't want to talk about it too much. Uh, anyone who's interested, 
go on to the discussion page of our Facebook, and uh, Nick's put up a good, good sort of synopsis of the series so far. And read that. It's very, it's interesting. I'm a huge lacrosse fan. I just haven't been able to see any of the games, so I apologize for that. But yeah, like I was saying, uh, Facebook, join join the page, Totally Random Sports Show. We are available on iTunes, I believe. We I got accepted earlier this week, so you should be able to subscribe to it now. And uh, follow me on Twitter, OilCan10. And like always, bring your feedback in. Uh, I want to bring in as much feedback as I can into these, so... Uh, Send me your thoughts, send me something you want to talk about, send me what was interesting in sports this week. Besides that, thanks for listening. Uh, see you all again next week. Bye, guys. You already know, you already know, you already know. This the hustler music, young Weezy, got that motherfucking hustler music. So ride to it, y'all, ride to it, y'all, damn. God damn, mix the hit a nigga in his head with this one. I'ma paint the city red with this one. I'ma head with this one. See you fucking with the ball. Two tours we before Christmas. No assistance, just that persistence with that commitment. If I don't get it, somebody gon' die tonight.